Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito pop pass end zone. Touchdown! And the ball game! DeVito in relief wins it for the Orange. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing into this! It is over! The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me wanna Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo! A 14-yard quarterback draw! Somebody in Vegas told them they were gonna win by 20! And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know what? There's validity in that opinion. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio Utica, Rome, heard on 96.5 FM, you can see the show, you can interact with the show, it's live all two hours on twitch.tv slash Talk. oh you know it baby, make sure you subscribe on Twitch, follow along, you can chat with us exclusively during commercial breaks, when we go to radio commercials, the content keeps flowing with Twitch-only discussions, the live chat going on, and so much more. A lot of great content on Twitch in addition to the shows that you see. As a matter of fact, what you're going to see on Twitch, if you follow us at twitch.tv slash Talk, right after the show today, Paulie Sibilia and I are going to live tape, essentially. You're going to see... The We Get It podcast put together live on Twitch. You will see all the hijinks and tomfoolery. Rumor has it Paulie is going to bring the cup that I purchased for him for Christmas and he refused to use until now. And all the fun stuff and the the messy process that is putting together the We Get It podcast. So fun stuff like that. It's all at twitch.tv slash Talk. How you doing? Good to be back. Boy, I, I was watching a megacast production of the College Football National Championship game last night, which I really enjoyed, by the way. Kind of went to one of those alternate channels, and it was Adam Amin and Steve Levy with Dan Orlovsky and Pat McAfee, and they're on the field, and it was just kind of organized chaos, and, and I really enjoyed that. It, it took a megacast yesterday to fill in for me, as I had a, a day off yesterday, so thank you to, uh, let's see, Pauly Sebelia, Eric Devendorf, Seth Everett, Seth Goldberg, Mike Waters, and a partridge in a pear tree for filling in yesterday. Mega cast yesterday. So we appreciate those gentlemen sitting in. Here's how you get in touch today with a lot to discuss. 437-7644. You can always hit me on Twitter, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The live chat on Twitch flowing as well. Our text line is 288 288- Zero six four four. Yes, I know that Paulie didn't fill in, but I, I I I did thank him anyway. I'm getting messages that Paulie did not fill in, but he helped orchestrate the the fill ins. We'll, we'll give him we'll give him a shout out. I, yes, I I do hesitate to give Paulie credit when due, but he actually deserves a hat tip for that. Hot takes to come. Nate Mink is going to join us this hour to discuss. The new direction taken by Syracuse football, 
lost in the euphoria of that win over Virginia on Saturday was. Now, one has been made official, one has not been made official by the university yet, but all indications are that a new offensive coordinator takes over for Syracuse in addition to the move we do know and was made official by Syracuse that Zach Arnett comes over from San Diego State to be the new defensive coordinator. A lot of off-season moves to discuss with Nate, and they're bearing down on signing day 2.0, right? The traditional signing day in early February. What other moves could be made with the coaching staff? A lot of questions uh, that hopefully Nate will have some answers for, and we'll discuss that with him coming up. LSU takes home the title. Joe Burrow kicking back with the cigar, enjoying life. I do know that he just completed the greatest season a quarterback's had in college football. I don't think that's up for debate. Whether LSU and where they fit in the discussions of the great college football seasons of all time, where they fit in amongst the great college football teams of all time, is certainly up for debate. And look, we're not being prisoners of the moment. We're not being caught up in recency bias. When you look at what LSU accomplished this year, they're in the discussion. Whether they win it or not, you know, that's going to be tough because certain generations are going to say, oh, I tell you, that 59 Syracuse team couldn't be beaten. That 83 Nebraska squad, they'll never be beaten. Even like the 2001 Miami team, which I think every starting player ended up in the National Football League. You're always going to have generations that are going to push back on that kind of thing. But LSU is in both of those discussions, as we will get to during hot takes. But uh I have leftover Syracuse basketball thoughts. I wasn't here yesterday, and I'm sure that the crew that was here discussed it at length. But here's my question. As we're pretty much at the midway point of the season, uh, myself and Chris Carlson and Donna DeTota and Mike Waters put up our recalibrated predictions today. Most of us dropped Syracuse's record, dropped the postseason expectation. You know, now that we've seen this team in action and kind of know and get a sense of what it is, the forecast changes a little bit. But what has not changed, even with the win over Virginia on Saturday, is how murky the ACC picture is other than a few teams at the top. So sitting down and having to write that and having to go through that process again was interesting because Saturday is a prime example of you just never know. And Syracuse went out and did a lot of things it had not done to that point. And Syracuse went out and just proved the old adage in sports that when the meter tips way too much on one side, that the sports gods will remind us not to do that. The old adage, you know, you think you know, but you have no idea. Because we went into that game on Saturday having a hard time projecting how Syracuse was going to win that thing for a number of reasons. But sports will always teach you that lesson. It's a lesson we never seem to learn. How many times this past weekend beyond Syracuse football did we see the Tennessee Titans doing that? The unbelievable game between the Texans and the Chiefs. J-Rock is back in the house today. It's been a hell of a 24 hours for him in Houston sports, that's for sure. And I want to get into this in hot takes, too. Yeah, as a Red Sox fan, trust me, I... uh, (laughs) I'm not going to mock Houston too much because they're about to get the hammer dropped on them too. And they should, by the way. But what this weekend taught us once again is to never assume in sports, never write things in sports as if they're just going to happen. Yet we, every year, make teams certain heavy favorites. And when we project games and we sit down and you look at it, even objectively, 
It's hard if you're a Syracuse fan and you're embedded in it and you want your team to win and you always believe and when the ball goes up, you root for your squad. But even looking at it objectively, it was hard to see how Syracuse could win that game. And they won it. They hung in there. They played great defense. They got the three-point shooting they needed. They the, the hardest thing they had to do in that game, and I said this on Friday going into the weekend, the hardest thing they had to do, even though this was the answer to winning, was to be patient, hang in with Virginia, and at times dictate the pace of the game. And that's exactly what they did. To hang in enough to get to that overtime, and I'm sure it was discussed on these airwaves yesterday, but do you know how insane that is to score 19 points in the second half of a game and then come out in overtime and score 20 points against that team? Yeah, shoot or shoot, as Buddy Beheim put on Instagram and people said after that game, and he could not hit water if he fell out of a boat until he did. Until that insane shot, found his rhythm. Gerard was great throughout the game and is just handling the moment. And is hand- There is no bigger test, I think, for a young point guard than to face that Virginia pack line defense and come out as the leading scorer, come out as a composed player that made plays throughout the game. You know Elijah Hughes is going to make shots. And you know Elijah Hughes is going to make plays. And you know Elijah Hughes is the most important player on this team. So what does it all lead up to now? Because it is a four-month grind. And in that four-month grind, and we're now really getting into the throes of it, midway point of the season into, and there's still 15 games to go in ACC play, but now really into ACC play. If you're someone, and coaches say it all the time, the one game at a time theory, that momentum doesn't carry over, confidence doesn't carry over. You've got to approach every game fresh. And the ACC has taught us this. But you couldn't escape the feeling on Saturday. The players certainly discussed it this way, and they're moving on. And they got Boston College tomorrow. And as you heard Seth mention in the update, they probably are going to take the carrier down floor tomorrow with two starters missing. We know Popovich is out, right? But they might be missing another starter in that game. These are things you've got to take advantage of. Syracuse is 2 and 3 in ACC play. Both of those wins are on the road. Their three losses are at home. Like things are weird right now. But things are weird and they're still unclear in a sense. Like to definitively grab that rubber stamp and say they're not going to make the tournament is based on non-conference play. ACC play is providing an opportunity, and that's another thing I said going into the weekend Friday. I said they've got to dictate pace, which is really hard to do against that defense, and they've got opportunities on the schedule. How many of them they picked up along the way would put them in a conversation of keeping their season relevant, would put them in a conversation of staying at least... They're not on any brackets right now. Okay, zero. Go on bracket matrix, zero. And they shouldn't be at this point. But if they could beat a Virginia, if they can pick amongst teams like Duke and Florida State and Louisville and the few, and by the way, Virginia might tilt out of the quad one. You want to root for Virginia hard the rest of the season, right? 
But it's still a signature win. But will it be a signature win in a turnaround? Will it be a signature win in teaching this team how tough they can be? Will it be a signature team, a signature win, pardon me, to show this team that they've evolved, they're gaining confidence, and they are in a fight right now. They are in a league, which is a giant toss-up. Or will it just be one big win on an otherwise disappointing schedule? Will it be something to grasp onto? I mean, the football team, we're going to talk about this with Nate Mink coming up. The football team didn't have a signature moment, a signature win, something that you will remember the 2019 season by until the last play of the season when Trill Williams took back that touchdown 94 yards. And that still led to the sweeping changes we're seeing in football. So that Virginia win was great. I just fear that it's going to create some false hope. Because what is almost you got to win big games and get back in the conversation and get back in the picture, but what is more important are games like tomorrow. Where you take care of business at home, you don't slip any further, you don't gain much from it, but the more games like that you lose in a wild league that's just, and this is a Boston College team that beat Virginia a week ago itself. But when they're coming in and they're potentially going to be missing two starters and you're feeling it and you have the confidence, it's a live and die by the three teams, so they can be just as cold shooting the ball, as hot as they were kind of in the last 10 minutes or so of that game, overtime included. It's a hard team to get a read on. So what did Saturday show us? Was it just a good day? Or was it the start of something? 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk to follow along. Live chat and hang with us uh, throughout the program, including uh, during commercial breaks when we flip the mics on and keep the conversation flowing. We're going to get into those football changes coming up. Because they're pretty significant. I mean, essentially, Dino Babers hit the reset button. When you are going into a season with a new offensive and defensive coordinator, that's about as big of a change as you can make, short of changing the head coach. He had the decision this time. He went in a new direction. He promised changes. We got those changes. Now, one has been confirmed, one is not. I want to ask Nate about that coming up, what the philosophies are that they're bringing, the youth movement that this represents, and the new direction that Syracuse football will take here. And Every move that's made. I know Clemson lost last night because that's just an all-timer LSU team. But every move you make is trying to catch up with the leader. And the leader is LSU. LSU. The leader is Clemson in the ACC's Atlantic Division. So what... I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this, and we'll discuss it with Nate coming up. It's basically, how much closer to Clemson did you get by hiring these two guys? Because that's who you're chasing. And it's like a dog chasing a fire truck. What's he going to do when he actually catches up to it one day? So we'll talk to Nate about those things. A little football in the mix today. Coming off of the college football national championship game last night, which we'll dive into more in depth during hot takes. Right now we're going to see what happened on the market on this Tuesday. My man Mike is here from Lee Baldwin and Company. What's up, Mike? How you doing, X-Man? Living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. How about the well, market? We had, a, we had a mixed day on Wall Street today. The Dow closed up 32, continued its strength, but the S&P gave a little back, down five points. 
So had a little bit of volatility in her day, but overall pretty flat for the closes. Uh, traditionally, the banks kick off earnings season, and today we had three big banks report. J.P. Morgan and Citigroup were both very strong, up about a percent and a quarter each. And our dog was Wells Fargo, another big bank, which was down 5% to $49.32. So kind of a mixed bag to kick off earnings season. So uh, diamond and dog time, uh, Mike, uh, in the mix of all those reports and everything uh, happening on a busy day, it seemed. Absolutely. So that's J.P. Morgan and Citigroup were uh, the two diamonds, and Wells Fargo was oh, the dog. Okay, I'm sorry. I, 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 got, right. I, I thought I thought we had more info on top of the diamonds and dogs, but that's interesting to hear that that's what led to the diamonds and dogs today. All those earnings and reports, New Year and everything coming up. Okay, I'm sorry, I got confused. Yeah, that's okay. That's yeah, why I have you on to explain this <laughs> stuff, Mike, because this confuses me. But you, this is the great thing about going to see you guys. You filter it down, you make it simple, so everybody know knows what's happening out there on the market. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, X-Man. Have a good night. We'll talk to you soon. That's my man Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company. We will take a break on that note. Nate Mink will join us coming up, Syracuse.com. Follow him on Twitter for all the latest. And uh, there's been a lot happening the past few days. So let's kind of catch up, take a breath, and see the direction Syracuse football goes in now. Stay right there. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Oh, we were, we were having fun yesterday. Or not yesterday, uh, uh, during the break, I should say. I'm sure you guys were having fun when I was gone yesterday. But So if you watch us on Twitch, which I encourage you to do, um, you're, you're watching my frustration grow because there's like this little intercom thing in here now that they use for Twitch and people are talking to me and they're calling things and I'm just, I'm going to throw it against the wall. Like, I hope that wasn't expensive because it's about to shatter in a thousand pieces. Let's do some hot takes. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Here's what I know. Joe Burrow last night completed the greatest season a college quarterback has ever had. That's not up for debate. The guy threw 60 touchdown passes to just six interceptions. He had a completion percentage off the charts. Most touchdowns responsible for in a single season with 65. Most passing yards in a BCS college football championship game. Most touchdowns responsible for in a BCS college football championship game. That was six. He had more touchdowns in this playoff, if you include their game against Ohio State, than some entire leagues have had in the college football playoff. He won the Heisman by a record-breaking vote. Every measure says that Burrow just completed the greatest football season for a quarterback that we've seen. I think there's some running backs in that conversation that could take it out. You know, Jim Brown was named the number one player on the top 150 list last night, and he didn't even win the Heisman in 56. Paul Horning wrongfully given the Heisman that year for a number of reasons that I won't get into now. 
Where LSU fits in the best team ever discussion is interesting because there's always going to be longtime fans that are going to really put their talents into that. Yeah, you ain't better than 83 Nebraska. Won't you be talking about that team like 2001 Miami? All the Alabama teams that won, like college football fans are so territorial and so fiercely loyal. Like they're not going to concede, like, oh, yeah, LSU's better. Go Tigers. But here's what I know. LSU entered that championship game with a number one offense averaging 564 yards and 49 points per game, playing a really good Clemson defense, which led the nation, allowing just 244 yards allowed and 10.6 points per game. And went out there, and Clemson had the lead at times. Burrow struggled at times. It appeared he had some kind of injury during parts of the game, and he fought through it and had the performance that he did. LSU is the first team ever to beat each of the top four teams in the preseason AP poll. They ended up beating seven top ten teams. The first team to ever do that. And the first team in the SEC to finish 15-0. and Like These are pretty impressive marks to make the case as having one of the best individual seasons ever. There's going to be a number of NFL players from this team. I think a total of seven could go in the first three rounds, including poor Joe Burrow's got to go to Cincinnati now. I hope he really enjoyed that cigar last night and the life he's been living. How about, I've seen some video last night from uh, Bourbon Street. (laughs) LSU fans. Oh, remember when LSU came here and we were afraid they were going to drink the town dry? I think they ran out of booze. In New Orleans last night. After you threw your fifth touchdown pass, we set a record for national championships. You pointed to the ring finger. Do you know what size ring you wear? Ten and a half. <laughs> we already got fitted for him. So Joe Burrow's living his best life, as he should. Okay, He's going to be the number one overall pick. Whether he'll be a better pro than Tua or Justin Herbert or you know a pretty good quarterback class that's coming in. It's all about coaching, situation, talent around you. And Cincinnati's one of the worst organizations in the National Football League. So good luck with that, Joe. He's an Ohio kid. It's a great story in that way. And I think that's what makes this LSU team a great story. Put aside where they stand in history, what their mark is. Joe Burrow was told he wasn't good enough to play at Ohio State because Dwayne Haskins was better, and Dwayne Haskins was pretty darn good. Ed Ogeron goes to LSU, and they basically laughed at LSU for taking him on and keeping him there, even though he has died in the wool. Go Tigers. LSU kind of guy, Louisiana guy. Remember, at one time, this is not speculation. This is not woulda, coulda, shoulda if certain things lined up. Like, Ed Ogeron flat out said he wanted the Syracuse job after in the Schaefer transition. from The transition from Marone to Schaefer, I remember Bud Poliquin writing about this, talking to Ed Ogeron, who, remember, at one time coached at Syracuse, flat out saying He'd take the job. Now, I don't want to be revisionist history here. Who knows what would have happened had he come here? It's just amazing that how many people mocked Ogeron and mocked LSU's hiring full-time of Ogeron, and the guy just completed one of the great seasons in college football history. Go Tigers. And we'll break on my bad Ed Ogeron impression. They better not turn on the intercom during the break, or Uncle Brent's going to get mad. Stay right there.